Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I'm going to share a message with you that was very well received when I ministered it on the webinar last Sunday. I've had good feedback, good reports. People were blessed and touched by what I shared. So I pray that you will equally be blessed and minister to as you receive this word this morning. So let's pray and get into the word. Father, we thank you for this wonderful time, this wonderful day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it because you're the one who made this wonderful day. We will not take anything for granted, Lord. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for daily provision. We thank you for shelter. We thank you for all the wonderful blessings that you continue to provide for us from day to day. We thank you for your divine protection. We thank you for this great country and the leaders of this country. We give you praise and thanks for each and every one of them and pray for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to be given to them. As we go this, this pivotal point in our country, Lord, we pray for peace and we pray for your loving kindness and your mercy to overshadow this nation and all the nationalities that reside within this beautiful country called South Africa. And as we come to your word, Father, we pray that you will give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart that understands the very things that you desire to communicate to us today by your spirit. Thank you for a seeing eye and a hearing ear and an understanding heart. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And I trust you that you would give me words and utterance that I may speak as I ought to speak through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I want to minister to you this morning on the subject of being prepared for what God has prepared for you and I. Being prepared for what God has prepared for us. How many of you know that adequate preparation in life makes the difference between success and failure. Anything you desire to do in life requires preparation. You want to go on holiday or you want to go on a journey, you require to prepare, are you not? Even receiving guests requires preparation. And so I want to minister to you on the principle of adequate preparation. The Bible says that God has prepared wonderful things for those of us who love Him. It's written in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read those verses in a while. God has already prepared for you and I things, and these things are hidden from our natural senses. We cannot grasp them with our natural understanding because they are in another realm. The things that God has prepared for you are in the realm of the Spirit. That is why you cannot see them with your physical eyes. You cannot uh, feel them with your physical senses. 
these things can only be understood and received by the revelation of the Spirit of God. And thank God those of us who have been born again by the Spirit of God have the Spirit of Christ within us, are privileged and blessed because through the Spirit we are able to see, in the Spirit we are able to understand, spiritually speaking, the very things that God has prepared for each and every one of us. Amen? Do you really believe that? that God has prepared a wonderful plan for your life, a wonderful plan for your family, a wonderful plan for our spiritual family. It's already been prepared, and God has already given us His Son, and together with Him, the Bible says, all things to enjoy. That's what Scripture says. He who spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how can he not with him freely give us all things to enjoy? God has already given. It's not a matter of God withholding anything from us. God has already blessed us. God has already given us. And those things he's given us, both spiritual and material, are hidden in Christ Jesus. That's what we call our inheritance in Christ Jesus. But before God releases that inheritance, He takes us through a process of preparation in order to be able to wisely steward and manage those things that God has already prepared for us. What good would it do if God blesses you with something and you squander it or you cannot manage it? Or you cannot steward it with wisdom, with, with knowledge and understanding. So with, with us, God prepares us, then He leads us into those things. The Word also says that God builds us up or strengthens us, and then He gives us. In the book of Acts, the Bible says, I commit you to God and to the Word of His grace which is able to build you up and then give you an inheritance. Amen? What good will it do me if I build this, this empire and, um, and, and, and I have built all of this wealth and all of these wonderful things, but I have not properly trained my children or the inheritors of that empire, if I have not brought them up in the right way, if I have not trained them, if I have not invested time and life and ministry to them, what good will it do if I would give them all that inheritance and they squander it? So God is interested primarily in preparing our character, in maturing us before He gives us what He promised us. And it's important for us to understand the process of preparation that God takes us through in order to mature our character and form our character in order to be able to steward wisely and manage that inheritance that God has promised us. For 40 years, when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, He promised them a land. What? 
the Bible calls a promised land flowing with milk and honey. God's intention was to bring them out of slavery into the blessing. Now, the desert was for the purpose of preparing them in order for them to enter and inherit the promised land. And for 40 years, God was endeavoring to mature them, endeavoring to prepare His people, but He failed. You all know the story. Every single one of that generation that came out of Egypt, except two, Joshua and Caleb, died in the desert without ever seeing their promised land. They didn't see it. They didn't, they didn't taste it. They didn't experience what God has promised them. And many believers today, even though they have been promised wonderful things from God, both spiritual as well as material, because we're not just spirit beings. Amen? We have a body. We have physical needs. We have emotional needs. Amen? And we have spiritual needs. Now, God has met all of those needs and promised us a wonderful inheritance in Christ Jesus. But many believers, because of their unwillingness to cooperate with God during the process of preparation, they fail to enter and experience the blessing and the fulfillment of the promises that God has given them. So they die without ever seeing. Sure, they go to heaven. But isn't it much better and more wonderful if you experience what God has promised you here in this life? Amen? And receive the fullness of His promises? Isn't that more wonderful? Sure, we will be saved. But God wants you to experience the fullness of His blessing and inheritance. Because Christ bled and died and rose again, and He wants you to experience every blessing that is provided for you. Physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional. Amen? So God takes us through a process of preparation. And it's important for you to understand the type of preparation that God puts you through. The preparation I received in my walk with God is very different from the one you will receive. Why? Because simply, God has called you to do different things from the things He's called me to do. Are you listening to me? But God has a tailored cut, tailored cut preparation for each and every one of us. Take Joseph, for instance. Joseph was received a revelation or a promise one night in his father's tent. Three times the Lord gave him the same dream, twice or three times, that one day Joseph would become a person of prominence and great influence, that many would bow before him and acknowledge the authority that God vested in that young man. He was about 16 years of age. That was the promise. That was the dream that God has put in his heart at a very young age. But did you know that God took him through a process of preparation for many years before Joseph received the fulfillment of that dream he saw in his father's tent at a very young age. 
In fact, I think it was 13 to 14 years of hard, painful preparation. And preparation is not always comfortable. Amen? God will prepare you. God will discipline you. God will work on you and on your character in order to bring you to a place of maturity. Amen? The preparation that Joseph went through was very painful. I heard someone once say, I've never been able to forget it, that God is not committed to the provision of your comfort or my comfort, but He's committed to the production of our character. Character is very important. Integrity with God is very important. Far more important than charisma or gifting. You see wonderful people today with a gift they, either they have a gift of singing, either they have a gift of, of preaching or whatever. Wonderful gifts. But unless the character is mature and able to handle the gift, the gift will end up destroying them. And we've seen many. They have a gift but no moral character whatsoever. Hello? Hello? And so Joseph went through hardship. Imagine, he was sold as a slave by his own flesh and blood, his own brethren, sold him as a slave to the Egyptians, betrayed. Not only that, he was falsely accused by his master's wife for trying to rape her, which was, of course, a lie. He was thrown into prison for many years for something he did not do. And you step back and you say, but was God in all of these things? Yes, God was in it. Joseph, by the testimony of his own mouth, he said to his brothers, you did not send me here to Egypt. God sent me before you. Nothing happens to the born-again believer without God's knowledge or permission. Even things that are painful in our lives, God will use them, put them in the mix, in order to prepare and mature us as men and women of God. I went through some very painful things when I accepted Christ. I didn't know what was going on. Persecution from every corner. And I, I, I questioned, I said, Lord, before I was an evil person doing evil things, nobody bothered me. <laughs> now I've come to Christ. I'm walking on the straight and narrow. I am loving God, loving my wife, my family. And all of these people have turned against me. Why? But the Bible says all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Most of us in the Western church today do not understand or know what it means to be persecuted for your faith. In some countries they will behead you. They will disown you. Family members will disown you. And they will never speak to you again when you come to Christ. So Joseph went through hardship. His preparation was severe. Why? Because his mission in life was huge. 
Because of Joseph, Egypt was saved from starvation. Because of Joseph's training and obedience by the things that he suffered, he was able to steward the wealth of the greatest nation on earth at that time. We need men like this in South Africa that know how to, tre- that know how to manage the treasury, that know how to look after finances and not plunder them. Not only did Joseph save Egypt, but he saved his own very people. And the, and the surrounding nations all came to Joseph to buy bread. But the years of training that he went through, he learned to... Not once do we hear Joseph complaining to God or anybody else for his lot. Not once did he feel sorry for himself. You never read that in the Scriptures. But all you read, even in the darkest hours, the Bible says, and God was with Joseph. And God was with Joseph. And Joseph remembered his dreams. Preparation. Painful. He learned to forgive. He learned to let go of bitterness. And when his brethren, when he revealed himself to his brethren, they were so afraid that he was going to kill them. But he embraced them and he hugged them and he cried with them and he forgave them and he said, don't don't think evil of yourselves. You did not send me here. God sent me. He was adequately prepared. If there is one person that I greatly admire in the Bible is Joseph. Outstanding moral character. Faithful to God in all of his suffering. In all of the things that he went through. He was faithful to his God. Remember, he didn't have a church to go to. He didn't have a Bible. All he had was the training he received from his father, Jacob. See how important it is? The training that children receive at home. He had no one to talk to. There was no one who believed like Joseph believed in Egypt. He stood alone as a young man. And he honored his God and he remained faithful and submissive. And God blessed and honored him for the purpose of blessing the nations of the earth. According to your assignment in life, so will the preparation be that you receive from the Lord. If your assignment is huge, you will receive a severe preparation. Amen? God is looking for vessels in whom He can trust, in whom He can pour His blessing, His wealth, His wisdom, His his understanding, so that they can be a blessing to those around them. He's not looking for those who come to church for what they can get. No. He's looking for those who have a heart like like Christ, wanting to be a blessing. God said to Abraham, I will bless you and you will become a blessing to all the families of the earth. Preparation, folks. 
preparation. Take Moses. Moses was 40 years of age when he left Egypt. He ran for his life. But it took God 40 years in the desert to drain him out of all his pride and his self-confidence. Amen? Sometimes we, God takes us through a path where we need to unlearn what we have learned all of our lives in order to impart new things to us. 40 years from a prince, he became a shepherd looking after his father-in-law's sheep. So don't worry, you're looking after my sheep. Your training is still continuing. Imagine that, 40 years in the desert. Now, he was a prince. Egypt was at his disposal. The wealth of Egypt, the authority, the power of Egypt. He was a prince. But he suffered the loss of all of those things as part of his preparation for what God ordained him to do. And 40 years he was being trained in the desert. He had to unlearn. And he had to renounce all of the self-reliance and the self-confidence. And all the things that Egypt has taught him, he needed to renounce all of that to learn the ways of God. Our educational systems cannot teach you the ways of God. Universities cannot teach you God's ways. Only the Spirit of God through the Word of God and godly men and women can teach you about God and the ways of God. Amen. When he went back to Egypt to fulfill his life's assignment, he was 80 years of age. Imagine that. 80 years of age, he started his life's assignment, but he went through all of those years as preparation. The children of Israel coming out of Egypt are known as the rebellious generation. They were proud and arrogant. They only looked to God's hand rather than His face. They saw the provision of God how God miraculously provided for them, but they have never understood God's ways. Whenever they came into a situation that it was a bit uncomfortable, they started murmuring and complaining, like so many of us do. <laughs> Folks, we need to submit to the process and make peace with it. Make peace with the process that God takes you through. And learn to give thanks. Remain humble. Remain flexible with God. Fall on your face regularly and say, God, I thank you for where I am. I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for what you're doing in my life. Even though I do not understand it right now, I choose to trust you with all of my heart and do not lean unto my own understanding. Because there are times, most times, that God is going to work contrary to our own natural understanding. And we may not see and not understand what God is doing, and it may be painful. But know this, God is working even in your darkest hour. Because He loves you, and He will not leave you just as you are. And often we say to people, yes, come as you are. God loves you as you are. He does. 
But when you do come, He won't leave you as you are. He's going to work on you, work on your character, work on your habits, work on your mind until it brings you into the place where He can say, now I can bestow that inheritance upon you. There are promises that God had given me 25, 30 years ago, and I only see the fulfillment of those promises today this, in, this, in this season of my life. We need to understand that we live our life in seasons. But we experience that life of God in various stage, various stages of our spiritual growth and development. Amen? He matures you, then He gives you. That is why the, the necessity to be patient with God while He does His work. Amen? Hebrews 10.35 says, For you have need of what? Huh? Endurance. Endurance. Another translation says patience. Put your name there. For you and I have need of patience. We need to be patient with God. We need to give Him the time that He requires and be submissive and obedient and flexible so that God can work that which He desires in us, that we do not prolong our preparation. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. There were times in my own training and preparation that I, that I felt I couldn't take anymore. But the Lord would come by His Spirit and Word and comfort me. And He would minister those words to me. Andrea, you have need of patience. That after you faithfully do the will of God, you receive the promise. How many of you know that there is a due season that you reap a reward or a harvest? Galatians chapter 4 tells us be not weary or tired or discouraged in doing good, for in due season you shall reap, if you do not faint. Many believers have fainted. Many are discouraged. Many are depressed. And many have walked away from God and from the people that God has called them to because... They were discouraged. They got offended with God. Why? Because He didn't do what they assumed He would do. Hello? For 20 long years, I prayed for my brother. 20 long years that God would deliver him from that spirit of schizophrenia. I have suffered just watching him. My family have suffered just watching him go through what he went through. That when he didn't take his medication, he would become wild, untamable. He would hallucinate, run away. I would receive phone calls in the middle of the night, midnight. And he would call me and he says, if you don't get here within the next few minutes, I'm going to jump from the building. 
For twenty long years I prayed. I have never seen the fulfillment of my prayer. He died ill. Opportunities to get offended with God, many. But I chose to look to the Lord and not to His hand. Many believers today, they worship God for what God does for them and what He can do for them. In other words, they love God as long as God blesses them. But when God doesn't do what they want Him to do, they get offended. They get offended with God. They get offended with their pastor. They get offended with the church. They walk away. Why? Because the foundation is all crooked. It's all wrong. We don't worship God for what He does. Sure, we give Him thanks and praise, and and, and our heart is filled with gratitude for all the wonderful things He's done for us. But listen, He is God. And He deserves our honor, our worship, whether He does or He does not do what we want Him to do. He is the Lord. We are the servants. And some believers treat Him as though... They are the Lord, and He's the servant. Lord, do this for me. Lord, do that for me. Lord, touch that. Lord, answer this. No, we worship God for who He is, and not only for what He does. And if you do not set that foundation right in your own heart, there will come a day when God will not do what you assume He would do for you. And if you do not worship God for who He is, you're going to get offended with God and you're going to walk away from Him. You've got to straighten that out in your heart and in your mind. He is God. He is the Creator. Amen. And He deserves our worship whether He blesses you or not. Another thing, and I'm giving you some practical guidelines as you go through this process of preparation. That is why it's important that you make peace with the way God works in your life. Amen. And there are times where God would call you to abandon and forsake certain things. It could be people because they are the wrong type of people for you. It could be a relationship that you got involved with. And you cannot serve God and continue to have that relationship. That is why many leave the church today. Why? Because they're not prepared to pay the price. They want a Christianity that is easy and manageable and comfortable. There is no such thing, my brother, my sister. You will be called upon to make sacrifices and you will suffer the loss of many things if you want to climb the heights with God. You cannot enjoy intimacy with God while you indulge in sin and worldliness. You cannot do that. And those who say you can, they are liars. Amen? I'm giving you some practical guidelines. Make peace with the process God takes you through and obey the Spirit of God. If you are a child of God, God's Spirit will minister to you every single day. will let you know what's right, what's wrong. will let you know what's sinful and what is not. What is sinful for others might not be sinful for you because you're still growing up. And you will 
God will allow you to get away with certain things if you're young in the faith. Amen. Another thing. We love God for who He is, not for what He can do. Another thing which the children of Israel fail to see. Honor and recognize those whom God has set over you to exercise spiritual authority over you and watch out for your souls. Submit, the Bible says, and obey them. Why? Because they have been assigned by God to watch for your souls, to train, to help equip you, and then release you ultimately into what God has called you to do. That's what the Bible says, Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12, that Christ has set some gifts in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What are they there for? They are equippers. They are trainers. They have been given a mandate by God to prepare you for God's service. Honor them. Recognize who they are. Submit and obey. Don't speak evil of them. Some people, they speak any way they want to about their pastors. The children of Israel, they grumbled and murmured against Moses and against Aaron. So one day Moses says to them, why do you complain against us? Your complaining is not against us, it's against God. Hello? Today, honor is a rare commodity. Even people in the church have forgotten how to honor and respect their spiritual offices or their shepherds that they labor for them and watch out for their souls. Hello? Number three, make peace with your suffering whatever that suffering may involve. And I'm not talking about sickness and disease. That's not godly suffering. There is a suffering for righteousness' sake, but there is also suffering as a result of our foolishness, making foolish decisions. Embrace suffering as part and parcel of your training. Amen? And I've shared with you how Joseph suffered, how Moses suffered, how Paul suffered. Every man and woman of God that was destined for greatness went through suffering. In fact, Peter says, let me read you a couple of verses here from 1 Peter. I haven't looked at my notes yet, but I think we're going to do that right now. Um, 1 Peter... Chapter 4, verse 19. Let's read, first of all, 1 Peter 3, 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. 1 Peter 4, 19 again. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God... Commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. And again, 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Hello. When you stand up for righteousness and for Christ in this world today, they will mock you. They will persecute you. They will say all manner of evil concerning you. But the Bible says rejoice because you count it worthy to suffer for His sake. And that's where you need to raise up the standard of righteousness, folks, where you work, where you live every day. Not to be ashamed of your faith. Not to put your light under a bushel or under a table, but to put it on a lampstand. Amen. So when people are around you, because they know who you are, out of respect, they will stop swearing. You had that happen? I've had that happen a number of... Oh, sorry, Pastor. Because you're there. And they get convicted. Number four, eliminate strife and division at all costs from your circles of influence. First of all, from your own home, your place of work, and the church you're part of. Strife will open the door to the evil one. The Bible says where there is strife and division, there is confusion and every evil work. Refuse to argue with people. Let them believe what they want to believe. Your opinion is not the only one. Some people really bow before their opinion. They will argue to be proven right. I don't argue with people anymore. If they want to believe what they want to believe, let them believe. Oh, healing is not for us today. God bless you. It's not for you anyway. Oh, but I don't believe in this speaking in tongues. God bless you. You believe what you want to believe. I'm not going to argue with you to make you believe anything. That's not my job. That's the job of the Holy Spirit to convict you and convince you. Don't argue with people. Refuse to fight. Refuse to argue. Eliminate strife as far as it lies with you. Because strife will open the door to the evil one. And when he comes in, he steals, he kills, and he destroys. Shut the door. And finally, walk in love and forgiveness, whether anybody else does or not. Amen? Amen. You make a quality decision and say, I will walk in love and I will forgive, regardless. And they don't have to come and ask me for I'll forgive them before they ask. Amen? And submit to the process that God takes you through. And we need to submit to the process that God takes this spiritual family through. I don't know if you realize what season we're going through in this, in this house, in this spiritual family. I can tell you it's a season of preparation and it's also a pruning season. We are being pruned. Why? So that we can bear more fruit. Amen? Are you still with me? Being prepared for what God has prepared for us. Remain humble. Remain flexible. And let the Lord finish His work. Let's stand and pray and give thanks to God for His Word today. 
I don't know what you might be going through today, my brother, my sister, I, but the Lord knows. What challenges are you facing? What difficulties are you facing? Things that you need answers, perhaps, I don't know. But as you stand before God today and throughout the week, give thanks to the Lord. Say, Lord, I make peace with your plan, with your purposes for my life. I make peace with the process of preparation. And Father, do not lift or withdraw your hand of discipline over my life. Work with me and within me and through me. You are the potter, Lord, and I am the clay. Help me understand your ways. Help me see your face. And help me walk with you from day to day. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that God is calling us to a place of intimacy with Him, a place of building our relationship with Him, nurturing it, giving Him priority in our time, in our work, in our finances, in everything that has to do with our lives. Thank you, Lord. God bless you, precious people. And have a wonderful day today. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.